I'm, I'm a bit excited to be finally having a, a catch-up with you, mate. This, is, this has been a long time coming, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been a long... Uh, e- even today, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> oh, sweet Lord. It's that time of the year where I'd forgotten how crazy Christmas gets. I know that sounds like a stupid statement, but life has just gotten nuts to the point where if it's not in the calendar, it's not happening. And we booked some tickets to go to the cricket with the family, a couple of the, the, the big bash games. Yeah, yeah. And because my wife hadn't yet put in, she hadn't forgotten to, she just hadn't put in a camp that my son is going to in January. When I looked at what games to book, I booked the wrong one because then it overlapped with that. So then I had to follow up with the cricket people and say, hey, look, I've screwed this up. Can we change this pretty please? They were very generous and allowed that to happen. But I have well, never well, felt Of course more they would inept. because you're a megastar. Oh, you're rubbish. <laughs> I've never felt more inept in my life, ever. Oh, no, I, I I can share that feeling, because last year, uh, when uh, we were going up to North Queensland to visit my parents during the school holidays... Yep. Uh, yeah, guess who booked uh, tickets based on the uh, like Queensland school holidays rather than the New South Wales ones, <laughs> despite the fact that my wife is a teacher who teaches in New South Wales. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was not good. Oh, uh, I can. Uh, but but see, no wonder you're busy though. I mean, how was schoolies? I mean, what what that, is that? What twenty three, twenty four years in a row at schoolies for you now? Yeah, well, you know, that's it's just something I have to do. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> schoolies is nuts, man. I got to um, uh, as a part of my new job, I got to go and check out how red frogs do their stuff at schoolies. Um, are you familiar with them? I'm not really, because I was just a um, a little country kid who hadn't turned 18 and had no friends, so I didn't go to schoolies when I finished the HSC. <laughs> well, I was the reverse of that. I was a Sunshine Coast kid that had a bunch of friends, but all of the, the fair chunk of my friends that I hung out with had auditions, because they were all going to be arty-farty types at uni. Wow. And guess when they lined them up? The week of schoolies. So we didn't have a traditional schoolies. We had, you know, school finished Friday. We basically spent the weekend just schlepping around each other's places, watching videos, hanging out, staying up too late, drinking alcohol, and just doing something that was really slothful. It was fun. That that does sound good. Yeah, it was none of that. And even then, the friends of mine that did go down to schoolies, this is way before the Queensland government wanted to admit it that there was a problem on the Gold Coast. (laughs) So it was anarchy. Um, so Red Frogs came almost as a response to that, acknowledging that, that you know, all these young people go down to uh, the Gold Coast and kind of move in and it gets pretty chaotic. And is there anyone actually really looking out for them so that they have a fun time, but they get to do it safely to liaise with um, the hotels, to sort of smooth over problems, to, to help kind of be a preemptive strike so that there aren't issues. Um, and the way that the you know a whole bunch of these uh, leaders got together that when they started it, the best way that they found to get into this sounds really weird, but to get into the rooms where the schoolies are is to have bags of red frogs. 
Right. Here, do you want a red frog hair? I was gonna say, <laughs> that, that, that's not a euphemism. No, oh, mate, it's it's not even sort of sinister if you think about it. <laughs> um, but that has grown into a, a huge, like it is an empire of, it, it's run by a church. There's no um, sort of two ways around that, but there's lots of other um, uh, businesses and people and, and stuff that feed into this. And it's totally about just uh, protecting and encouraging and supporting the schoolies to have a great time. And they work with the Queensland government um, so that the the big area that is set up, they, they fence off a section of the Surface Paradise Beach and put stages on each end of that fenced off area. And it's just like DJs and bands and stuff from like seven o'clock till midnight every night of schoolies. Uh, and then, of course, the Red Frogs volunteers are everywhere and kids can ring up and say, hey, can you come around and bring us some red frogs or can you come around and cook us some pancakes? That's another big thing. <laughs> right. So they can make that request um, and they'll turn up and, and basically the, the the red frogs volunteers come in, make sure everyone's okay. They might play games with them if the kids are bored, particularly if it's wet. Um, there's requests, you know, hey, can you come around? Have you got a game that we can do or something like that? Um, and just make, I, I guess, hey, make can, sure can that everyone's okay. Can you come around okay. and set up a Wi-Fi? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> But just make sure that things are safe um, and that if kids are feeling like they're not safe, they know they can contact Red Frogs and um, not be judged and be helped out. So if, uh, for example, they're partying down at the on, the, on the, uh, the beach and they're feeling uncomfortable from some attention they're getting from someone, they can go to a, a tent that is right across the road and say, hey, can you walk me home? And someone oh, will cool. walk them home. Or if... Um, Someone, you know, they can ring up the Red Frogs and say, hey, we've got someone in our room that's really sick. Red Frogs will turn up with uh, SES, with ambulance, uh, and make sure they're okay. And for, I think, only the second time this year as a part of what they call their triage area, where kids can just front up and say, oh, I cut myself, I've hurt myself, either accidentally or intentionally. There's also a manned mental health tent where they can sit down with a trained psychologist and just talk out how they're feeling. That's all very, very cool. Oh, it's massive. Cool. So, so you were there uh, observing all of this, taking notes, were you? Yeah, I, I got to. I got invited as a part of their VIP program, which is a complete misnomer because I'm neither any of those three things. <laughs> uh, Wait, and, you're not a person? Hang on. That, that, that changes our relationship entirely. <laughs> <laughs> what um, are you? You're a, sentient, oh, a sentient podcasting bot sent from the future. Barely a human. <laughs> it's it, it levels of heaping coals on my head. Anyway, um, so it, it, it was come down and, and they brief us on all the stats about, you know, how long Red Frogs has been going for all of the, the interesting information, uh, the change in incidents since Red Frogs have been doing what they do in a government-supported intentional manner as well as long before that. Uh, so, for example, there has been, since... The Queensland government and Red Frogs started doing stuff together. I think there's been two or three deaths in like eight or nine years plus. And before that, there were huge numbers of injuries and incidents and deaths and all sorts of crazy stuff happened. Um, so that, that that's an important side of it as well. They, as I mentioned, they have got a call center as well as an app. Who doesn't have an app? Um, but in the app, of course, they can you know, place the request for, can you come cook some pancakes? Can you come out? You know, we've got someone that's um, in trouble or even, hey, I'm not feeling well. Can so I talk to it's, someone? It's Uber, but for, 
I'm not happy. Come fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and then some. Or oh, we are happy. We're just hungry. And we've eaten all their food. Can you come and cook us some pancakes? <laughs> Um, oh, so they bring the pancakes with them. That's even better. Yeah, well, because um, <laughs> Nestle, who make, who own Allens, who make the Red Frogs, yeah, uh, because it used to be like ten years ago, um, churches who supported this would donate. They would, you know, people would go and buy Red Frogs and donate them, and they'd turn up down the Gold Coast. Now Allens just dump uh, twenty ton of Red Frogs in a hotel uh, on the Gold Coast, and they get dispersed across the week. That's pretty cool. It's massive. Um, and of course, because as I said, Nestle own Allen's. They also own, I think it's Mrs. Green's, which do like shake pancake deals. Um, you know, put the water in the jug, shake it up, pour it into the fry pan and off you go. Um, so yeah, the, the red frogs turn up with a fry pan and, and they'll, how many kids are in your room? They'll turn up with the appropriate amount of pancake batter and make pancakes. It's crazy. G- given that it, that it is 2016 though, do they have to ask how many of them uh, are on a gluten-free diet this week? <laughs> <laughs> and, and not because not because they're actually you know allergic. I mean that that's that's completely legitimate. But how many of them have just got mum and dad at home going? No, no, you don't want gluten. You know it's it's it's, it's bad. Gluten free people need to be rounded up and marched into the sea. It's, it's not a thing. <laughs> oh dear. I'm I'm a tolerant man. I draw the line at the fact that now we need to make all these exceptions. For for oh but oh no I'm I'm gluten well go and buy your cardboard and eat it yourself. Uh, it's 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 kind of like the new um, vegetarianism, isn't it? Like when like when when we were in our mm. teens and early twenties, it was actually really hard to find somewhere um, that that would serve a vegetarian meal. And so I, I remember yeah. um, one of my girlfriend's friends was a vegetarian, and so there was only about like one place in town where she could actually get a meal. So every time we went out, we had to eat at this same place. And I tell you what, I just got to resenting this place so much. And it wasn't it wasn't bad. And like yeah. and, and 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 the resentment sort of didn't ever flow over to her. Like I understood, you know, th- this was a, a choice she was making. But this one restaurant and its its menu never changed and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and uh, and and I tell you what, um, when uh, my, my girlfriend and I eventually broke up, like wh- one of the real silver linings was I'm never going to go to that cafe ever <laughs> again. And I didn't. Like I li- I lived in that town for like another four years, and I never set foot in that cafe again. <laughs> the owners were probably going, "What do we do to upset Dave? He was here all the time. You bring that lovely girl. Oh, she ordered dear. the same thing." Yeah, no, I did. Well, well, eventually you did, just because the menu didn't change that often. <laughs> like, once you put, went top to bottom, it's just like, well, I guess we start at the top again. Oh dear. Now I will, I will say, in my defence, I do, I do love care for people that are gluten free, and I acknowledge that. Okay, celiacs and things—that's a real thing. I get it. Oh yeah, absolutely. But but that's that's not the. They're not the people. They're they're not the problem. <laughs> no, that's right. No, I've chosen to go gluten free. Get out. <laughs> You don't choose to eat rubbish cardboard stuff that tastes like plastic. Oh, but, but it's also the, um, uh, like, w- when you get onto that food stuff, like, food allergies are really, really serious. Like, mm. uh, uh, like especially when you're dealing with kids and, uh, like, who might have nut allergies and, and, and yeah. anything. Like, it's, and it's something you take so seriously. And nothing is worse than some smug idiot who goes into a place and, like, tells the waiter, oh, yeah, I'm allergic to such and such ingredient that they don't like in a dish. 
and it's when they're not just because like oh well if you don't tell them you're allergic they might put it in there anyway it's just like have you got Ooh. any idea how much hassle you just caused everyone in that damn kitchen because they're now so so paranoid <laughs> yes. that a person out the front's going to go into anaphylactic shock just yep. because you don't like tomato it's like ah oh, that's right i'm allergic to riboflavin Oh, you just honestly I mean it, we are we are of a certain age though Dave where you know yes. I, I mean we're starting to sound like our parents uh, <laughs> but but in that you know there's we, we've had life experience we've seen things we've done things we know the things that can and will hurt us we know the things that are just bullshit and I look around at some of the things that that you know people who are younger than me, that are able to make their own decisions are choosing to do and I can only keep my, I can only hold my tongue for so long. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be, you know, be here for you to share that this with me because it sounds like it's something that's been weighing on you for a while. Oh, I've just <laughs> I mean, become you, a crazy old man. You don't get to talk about this when you're talking about, you know, Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pressure valve that's been waiting to release. Oh. Oh dear, so with Christmas, um, like, do you have any big family traditions in your house? Um, I wouldn't call them big. We have we have some certainly that we like to stick to, and even some recent ones that have fallen onto onto our plate that I'm very happy to perpetuate. Um, it used to be a long time ago. Um, after Christmas lunch was Star Wars either one or many or as many episodes as we could put in. Nice. Um, and that hasn't happened for a little while. I suspect, given um, Rogue One launches shortly, podcast time, and, and of course Force Awakens was last year, and so that's already on DVD, plus the others exist, there'll probably be a Star Wars episode appear. Um, some of it changed too when I got married, um, in that you know, my wife's, traditions that she wanted to continue we talked about well what do we do about this and that and i said oh, look i'm happy let's do those things so um i it used to always be church on sunday morning christmas day absolutely 100 mm -hmm. you inevitably had a new shirt or something that you would wear you would front up smile sing all of the carols again and that, that was fine go home and have christmas lunch yeah, well, see, see uh w when i was a kid it was always church the night before mm. um and i hated it i hated it um not because it was going to church, because but when I was growing up, that was just every week anyway. Um, yeah. But but I hated Christmas Eve because the church would be packed and you wouldn't be able to get a good seat, <laughs> and like and everyone would be like shoved in on the pews because like there's so many people there and yep. and there's no aircon and so it's oh, stinking yeah. hot and it's just like this and it, and it went forever like it, it was like. It felt a, like a long service, and it was just like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. I, I hate it. I hate it. It felt like it went forever. There's 100 percent that. Oh, um, yeah. So, but, but that that's a tradition that we've now taken up ourselves. My wife, because her father was a, an Anglican priest, um, their family tradition was to always go to the midnight service, and then come home from that. They would open a couple of presents, not all of them, and then go to bed. And her father would then get up the next morning and go and do all of the services that he needed to do while um, Michelle's mum would then prepare Christmas lunch and the kids would sit around and stuff and stuff, right? That was the, the thing that they did. Um, now, I'm not a minister at all, uh, but I play a lot at church, particularly on things like Christmas Eve and those sorts of things. So that's our tradition that we've picked up. Luckily, it's not a midnight service because um, <laughs> yes. that's always a cracker. But, you know, 7.30, 7 o'clock, 
playing something for Christmas Eve. Go home. Of course, the kids are all excited, so bedtime for them. Uh, and that allows the parents to look at each other and just go, oh, we made it. Um, and whatever last minute preparations need to happen, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, Santa preparation things, helping him, you know, get ready to do stuff or it's, you know, final, the secret presents that you now want to put under the tree so that the kids haven't shaken them to death the weeks preceding. And then we wake up and, you know, it's Christmas and those things. There is a new tradition that my sister brought in. There is a Christmas Slurpee that takes place. <laughs> a Christmas Slurpee. Yeah, yeah. After the presents are opened and everyone's happy um, to, to basically provide 10 minutes of sanity. If she's around, she takes the kids. Otherwise, dad takes the kids and we go and get Slurpees for everyone. Nice. Oh, yeah. Australian Christmas summer. That is the best <laughs> thing ever. Um, so that's a bit of fun. And beyond that, it's just... Um, we're going through a transition this Christmas, Dave, and mm. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with it. What, what, what's happening this year? Well, my my two young'uns, who turned 12 oh. and 10 in 2017, have revealed... But they know. That, that they know. <laughs> they know the big, the big Christmas secret. Now, my wife has said that that's it. So if they know the secret, there's no more standing on occasion. We don't have to do any of that stuff. Uh, and I really want to do it. Well, see, see, in our household, um, our eldest, uh, he, he's uh, going to turn 13 in about a month or so. Mm. Um, and he's known for quite some time. Sure. While his little sister, who's uh, just turned 11 a little while ago, uh, only recently sort of came to the party. Um, and, and so now, you know, understands and is on board. But, but in our household... The, the the big Christmas secret is is still like, we wave it as a stick. It's just sort of like like you know how you know when the, when the kids are about you know about three <laughs> and you go you better be good or Santa won't come. Yeah, Santa won't come. Well, well, well. Now we're going. Well, you better be good or, or Santa won't come. And they're like there is no Santa. I'm like we know, we know, <laughs> and he won't come. Think about all those presents that won't be under the tree. <laughs> and oh. it, it, it just it terrifies them. So, it, so it's it's still a, you know, it's still on board, it, it, even though they know it, it's still like, <laughs> because we are cruel parents and we are looking for ways to you know uh, force our children to do things that we want them to. Yeah, it, it's yeah, no, it's still part of it. It's it's there. I mean, we were always upfront with them in that we, from a young age, when they sort of started to see Santa and stuff in the shopping centre that it was, um, you know, you guys are lucky enough to have a mum and dad that can help Santa. Um, So we help Santa at our house to allow him to go and visit other kids' houses who really need him to go to them. Um, So it was kind of this half, so Santa's around, but mum and dad are involved in the process anyway. But there's still something magical about waking up and finding something in your sack at the foot of your bed, Um, which is why I'm now going through the pain of, oh, man, the... It's, there's no... What's happening here? What are we doing? I, well, well, hang on. Do you, do you? Who goes to bed first? You or Michelle? Oh, yeah. No, 100% not me. <laughs> well... Oh, no, uh, it's happening. That's what I'm saying. There's going to be... Good. <laughs> there's going to be stuff happen that hasn't been spoken about. Um, well, there you go. There's a solution. And then, you know, she and she can't get cross at you because you can go, hey, Santa must have done that's it. That's exactly it. He realised that we needed help this year. <laughs> Because when I when I was growing up, I'm the eldest of four kids, and I I can't remember when I worked it out, but it was I think I was seven or eight, so that meant that if I was eight, my brother was six, and my baby sister 
would have been three or four. And my youngest sister was maybe a bump at that point. So we had a surprise fourth sibling come. Um, in that mum and dad were happy with three and then had to announce to us, oh, mum and dad are pregnant. <laughs> um, but because I cottoned on early, I basically got the, the very short, sharp lecture from mum. If you ruin this for the rest of them, you're in massive trouble. <laughs> and if... We we had to give that uh, that, that lecture to Rupert <laughs> every year. Oh, and, and, but the like, other hook was... <laughs> The other hook was that, and then she said, and besides, if you play this right, that means you have to get stuff as well. <laughs> exactly. Went, of course. Yeah. Uh, every year he'd go, oh, she, surely she knows by now. And we would sort of, yeah, like, just listen in to how conversations moved. And we'd be like, no, no, no she doesn't. That's right. <laughs> and so you will not let her know. Well, see, for me, I, um, I, w- one of my friends growing up, he had two older sisters. So yeah. he found out... I, I think we were only about five or six, uh, and, and it was spoken about openly in my presence. And, and I was like, oh, I hadn't even considered that, but there you <sighs> go, that makes sense. But then my, my um, there was a big gap between me and my sisters. Like, like my first sister wasn't born until I was nine. Yep. So I was well and truly past, you know... Done, yep. Past it. Um, and then all of a sudden, these two little girls come into the house, and it's like, hey, it's back on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and I reckon if I'd been smart and played it really well, that by the time my baby sister got to about six or seven, just ask some questions, kind of sounding her out, what's happening, you know, do, do what do you think of Christmas, that sort of stuff. And if I'd gotten any kind of wind that she knew, it would have been right you need to shut up about this and play along because we all win. Because you're the last man standing. If you give up this, if you give up this game, we are done. But if you hold on to it, I don't care if you hold on until you're 22. It means we all win. Uh, Miss that chance. Yeah. Now, the benefit of hindsight, mate. The benefit of hindsight. Oh, you missed no, opportunities. The, the, the only real tra- tradition that our family have passed down is that lunch doesn't happen before three o'clock? <laughs> despite despite the fact that you're like you're getting up at six, yep. right? So it's not like there's a lack of time to actually oh, have yeah, Christmas hours. lunch on. Yeah. It's just all of a sudden it's you know mid morning and you're like, oh, I haven't put the oven on yet. <laughs> and, that, 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 and, and so now it's gone from uh, that was just I don't know more. Uh, accidental to know now that's how it's done that's how it is done in this household yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. it, you, you can have some brekkie uh, you know you, you can have uh, a champagne toast uh, and you can eat all the chocolate out of your stockings but if you think we're having lunch before uh, three you've got another Barclays. thing coming yeah <laughs> and, and one of our favourite family stories was um, this is back when mum and dad li- still lived in in Varel, and uh, my grandmother mum's mum was, was up at, uh, visiting us at Christmas time and mum was, you know, busy in the kitchen. She's always a bit stressed when her parents were, were visiting because my nana, God bless her, isn't someone who inspires calm in people around her. Yeah. Um, and so it's probably like, oh, say 11, 11.30. Um, stuff's been in the, the oven maybe an hour. And nana's wanting, wandering into the, the kitchen going, do you think we should put the beans on? <laughs> and I was like, no, mum, it's really too early for that. Yes. Oh. And about 15 minutes later, Sue, do you, do you think we should put the beans on? I'm like, 
we, we want to have them ready. Like, like at this point, we haven't even put like potatoes in the oven, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Nana is just determined. We've got to have those greens cooked. And, and could you imagine, like, oh. could you imagine beans cooking for four hours? You would just present a pile of mush. That's and, it. And, but the thing is, she didn't stop. Like, like Mum rebuffed her again and again, and she just kept coming into the into oh. the kitchen to the point where Mum said, "Fine." Put some beans on. <laughs> Let them cook. Chuck them out. And then cooked another set um, later on when it was actually, you know, an appropriate time. Oh, um, and so in, in terms of uh, Christmas lunch preparation, um, should we put the beans on is, uh, is, a, is a family favourite. Oh, uh, especially, yeah. especially if someone's looking a bit stressed out. Like, I, 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 I'm the... I, I, I'm the I'm the 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 cook on Christmas Day. I, yeah. I, I, I love getting in the kitchen uh, at the best of times, and so Christmas is a you know, Christmas lunch is a really special thing for me. Um, but you know, you do have those little moments where you're a little bit stressed out and you're feeling a little bit underprepared, and things aren't quite right. And you can just guarantee one of my sisters or, or Rach or someone will just sort of sidle into the kitchen and go, "Should we put the beans on?" <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I never know whether to laugh or just want to throttle them. <laughs> so it obviously works. Oh, that's golden. Oh, dear. Put the beans on. From us, you know, Christmas morning is the only morning where it's acceptable to eat chips, lollies, chocolate for breakfast. There's no formalised, do you want to have toast or cereal or whatever. I mean, our kids are old enough to get their own anyway, but it's just, it's not. Oh, how, how good is it? How good is it when they're finally old enough to get their own breakfast? Oh, dude. Okay, Wait, look. We we, we literally we literally reorganised our entire kitchen like the way it was la- laid out in terms of where we kept our plates and things yep. and and where we put different food in different cupboards just so everything would be down low enough that they could get their own <laughs> breakfast when they yep. were oh, I know I guess about three or four and just, oh no go you, you you can reach it you can do this <laughs> this, this is not something we need to it was oh bliss it was so good it's yeah. just the best. So they're, they're independent little units, and, and particularly with, you know, they'll you know come down. And, but the, the, the other rule is that nobody touches anything under the tree. Nothing under the tree gets touched. Do you so Everyone dockings? is sitting down, you know, and, and that's sorted. And then the kids give out the presents and we all open them and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. So that's a ton of fun. Um, this year it's going to be, well, there's even, there's, we've, we've pulled back the curtain totally this year because both my kids are getting musical instruments that they came with me to pick. Um, because yeah, it's a giveaway. Well, yeah, but they knew that it was coming anyway. I mean, they, we got them. Was it last year? We got told that they needed iPads for school. So guess what they got for Christmas? Ta-da. But, yeah, but they didn't know they were coming. So that was a nice surprise. Um, but this year is like my son has been learning guitar all year, so he's he wants to start playing at church. I said, right, to do that, you're going to need a steel string guitar with a pickup in it. So you know, we'll we'll have to talk about that. Uh, and I gave them the opportunity on the day that I was going to go hunting, and I'd done a bit of precursor looking anyway, and I said, do you want to come and pick, or do you trust me? And he was like, no, no, I'm, I want to come, it'd be great. So that's fine, so he picked his guitar, a little bit more money than I wanted to spend, but it was already right, he's got a, an absolute corker. Uh, but it's now in a case, sitting in the cupboard, unseen. So he knows it's coming, nice. he can't touch it, it will come out on Christmas Eve with a bow around it, and that's it. <laughs> Another story of my grandparents. Uh, they lived in Canberra mm-hmm. while we lived up in Inverell, uh, and so uh, it would be sort of ter- turnabout. Like um, 
we'd have Christmas up at home one year and be with our paternal grandparents, yep. and then another. And sometimes they would come up, but that wasn't every year by any means. Um, and then uh, the other year we'd sort of cycle down to Canberra and and have Christmas with the family down yep. there. Well, one, one of these years they they came up and they bought with them uh, a Nintendo Game Boy because that that was like absolutely what nice. I wanted for Christmas. I yep. just was desperate to get a Game Boy, uh, and. They got a special pack that had the Game Boy and Super Mario World. Now, my mum, God bless her, uh, isn't very good at hiding things. She's really, really good at losing things. Like she put, if she puts something away for safekeeping, you will never see that again. Yes. Um, like I think when mum and dad moved out of their house and were like clear, clearing it all out before the move, I think they actually found hundreds and hundreds of dollars of like fifty dollar notes that mum had put in different <laughs> spots and just forgotten. And all showed up at once. But but so so um. So I, f- I found where this Game Boy was up in the linen cl- closet, uh, and by that stage I was, um, I-, I was usually like the la- the night owl in our household, yeah. um, and so everyone would have gone to bed, and and I'd sneak down to the linen closet and I'd carefully open up this Game Boy, mm. put the batteries in, and then play Super Mario World for you know half an hour. Oh yeah. And then put put it all back away, make it look nice and schmick back in the box up the top of the linen closet and I did that for about two weeks in the lead up to Christmas <laughs> until Christmas day uh, I get the, I got the thing and you know we'd gone uh, uh, through the lunch and bits and pieces and I'm sitting down with the Game Boy and I'm playing the game and I finished it <laughs> and Dad's like wow he goes jeez yes, the game mustn't be very long I'm like oh no no it's a really good game really long game he goes but he said well did you just finish it first go and I'm just like yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best. <laughs> so, like, luckily, I had Tetris to fall back on, you know, yes. to, to soak up some time. That was one of my favourite games. I loved Super Mario as well, but uh, Tetris hours, hours on my Game Boy that got burnt. I swear, burnt into the screen um, playing Tetris. But then I got my Game Boy in 1992, which was a year that I spent. Um, touring Australia with a Christian music band thing. So I spent many, many hours in a bus. Oh, gee. Um, yeah, you've which it. meant that, yeah. And, and you would have gone got, through, you would have gone through so many batteries because that's back when they yeah. took like four AA batteries yeah, and, yeah. and didn't last that long. And got passed around the bus. So oh, that it was yeah. a challenge within the, the band to see who got the high score. And yeah, it got very competitive, very competitive. We, we, we yeah. Could you get a rocket regularly? Was yeah, or, or not? Were you a rocket person? Yeah. Oh, good. I'm just, you know, just checking. Got to do it properly, right? Look, I, nothing frustrates me more than, than someone, usually one of my own children, bragging about how good they are at Tetris. Um, and then asking, oh, well, which rocket did you get? And they're like, what? I said, which rocket? Which mm. rocket did you get? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, you liar. You say you're good at Tetris? You're not very good at Tetris. You're not, co- you're not committed to Tetris. Just, you're not properly uh, good at Tetris. No. We, but uh, that, that said, <coughs> they, uh, my son at least he, he outscores me these days on first-person shooters. So oh, I, I've I've just seeded that ground altogether. Dude, I, I I ever since the original Xbox, I got the original Xbox for Halo. Mm-hmm. and I've been in love with the franchise ever since. Like in a way that's unnatural. Um, <laughs> what what the, those ali- aliens really do it for you? <laughs> oh, the Master Chief, man! I would turn gay for that guy in a second. <laughs> Just amazing. You can you can at least say that like Cortana is, is what's got you excited. Well, shit, that, that got 
she got dramatically more attractive as the Halos went on too, and as the technology increased that ran the games. So that... <laughs> who, who would imagine that that uh, that a, a, a franchise primarily aimed at uh, teenage boys and men in their <laughs> early 20s would sexualise an AI character. I know, the blue jiggly bits and everything. <laughs> who, who could have seen that coming? Yeah, not for a second. Uh, so, I loved Halo, so I've got... In fact, these holidays I'll probably pull my original Xbox out, I think, and get, get him playing that with me uh, so he can appreciate it. But he's seen... Um, you know, Halo on the 360 and, you know, has seen the original graphics on, on Halo Anniversary Edition. So he knows they were a bit clunky back in the day. Yep. But I want to reveal the whole thing to him. Uh, and we've now got an Xbox One. So last year I got um, Halo 5 and the Master Chief Collection. And we've been playing and playing and playing. And uh, he... I had some mates over that I used to play Halo with all the time uh, the other week. And we played for a few hours and he nailed all of us. Uh, Just smoked that. us. But... We did then throw into a few different scenarios that we used to play all the time. And while we were rusty, he was a little bit lost. Like oh, it was, I don't know how to do this or why I've only just got these weapons. But he's, he's crack-a-lacking, man. It well, scares me how good he is. You, you've got to reassert yourself somehow. Like, like my son is just about to... I reckon he's about a couple of weeks away from being taller than I am. So <laughs> yep. like there, there are fewer and fewer... Uh, things we can or I can exceed his his capabilities. Um, yep. Yeah, we're not a Halo household. We're a, we're a Battlefield sure. uh, household. So he's really into Battlefield One at the moment, um, and I've, I've played it a bit and I, and I like it. Um, but I just I I just can't dedicate the hours that that we yeah. once did to that yep. sort of stuff. Like when when the kids were little, they, they were great sleepers. Like they would literally be in bed. Uh, and would not stir again from about seven o'clock onwards. Yep. And in that, those days, uh, Rach and I both did a lot of gaming, and so we actually had two Xbox 360s, yep. both hooked up, and we would we would play uh, Battlefield Bad sure. Company together yes. for hours upon hours upon hours. It was so good. And now, yep. I sort of just e- even the idea of trying to set aside an entire night when you've got kids who don't yep. go to, to bed as early and all this sort of stuff. It's just like, oh, it's never happening. Yeah, I, especially uh, especially now I'm old and can't you know, game until midnight and then get up and be productive the next day. I just can't I, I do totally, it anymore, Steve. Oh, and I, I totally it. feel that. I, I remember back in the day, so we're still the original Xbox. Um, I was working at a scientific organisation, and uh, a bunch of there was you know so that had a bunch of older scientists and a bunch of new, relatively recent graduates or, or masters students working with those older scientists doing lab work and all of those sorts of things. And inevitably around the lunchroom conversation, there would be this, you know, Halo would pop up and there'd be sort of more, oh, 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 oh. So there was probably a group of about six or eight of us that every lunchtime on Fridays would get together and play Halo in the boardroom because that had uh, (laughs) mounted data projector, the pull-down screen, blackout blinds. So we would just all sit in there and play shoot-em-ups and blah, blah, blah. We decided one year, uh, because I opted to work Christmas, New Year, work, turn up at work. That's all it was. I, I love working Christmas, New Year. One, because I work from home anyway, so that, yeah. that's already a bit of a, a good luck. But it, it means you, you, like, you're not cashing in those three days of holidays. Copy that. So, yeah, it's the best. Like, if you're going away, fine, I'll totally use them. But if you're not, sure. wasted holidays. Um, yep, in my opinion, absolutely no. I'm I'm with you 100. percent So I worked those that 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 time between Christmas, New Year's, and I arranged them. I said, "Hey, you guys, let's pick this day 
because no one, like no one is coming in. Maybe one person, maybe. Um, and it was nothing to see that collection of cars, uh, you know, at the offices, even then, like people would come in on weekends to check on processes and to check on lab work and those sorts of things. So it was no big deal. So we arranged for them to come in, plus I arranged for all of my other Halo mates, and they invited a few others. <laughs> we spent, without a word of a lie, and, and like they lugged in big screen TVs upstairs oh, wow. to this room, because off the boardroom was another couple of meeting rooms. I, fe- I set up a switch, we ran long Ethernet cables, and because I wasn't sure if we had long enough, I pulled out our roll of Ethernet cable and terminated the ends to, to suit the length, <laughs> so that we just had cables running into rooms. We had 16 players, so as many as we could fit onto an Xbox session. So four Xboxes, four players in Xbox. We started at 10 in the morning. We didn't finish until 2 (laughs) a.m. And look, we ordered pizza for dinner. It was and it was all it was all the kind of craziness of like people forming teams and strategy and people like we would say we're going to play this game. There would be negotiations over what kind of game we would play, who'd be on what team. And then once we started, it was, no, no, we can't start for 10 minutes because we have to talk about strategy. Who's going to go where? And, oh, it, it got out of control. Uh, my oh, favorite no. memory of that was that we played in Halo. There's a really big map um, uh, called Blood Gulch, which is basically this box canyon with um, bases at each end. Yep. It's really open. It's, it's got all of the vehicles you know, turn them on and off, but it, it natively would have the vehicles placed in there, which included a tank and, you know, a, a, a warthog kind of military jeep and a flying thing and all sorts of crazy stuff. 16 people, so eight aside, playing capture the flag in that scenario. You've got people just randomly st- just setting up as snipers and the entire game, like to the effect in real life, they would just be peeing their pants. Just, oh, just stay no. in stealth. <laughs> Just looking for people coming, hunting to come and get the flag. And all you would hear, if you weren't in the room, you'd just hear and... Oh, what? Where Where are you? And that would then prompt people. You'd hear those, we have to find where they are. We're never going to get down there if we don't take them out. So then there would be a hunting party, go looking for this sniper. And, oh, yeah, just crazy stuff. That Blood Gulch game I'm thinking of, it went on for like an hour and a half. Wow. So good. So intense. You know, you, you, you know what, Steve? Uh, one thing I, that I have learned now is I'm sort of you know, firmly in, in middle ages. I look at all these millenniums around and, and they just don't value work the way that we did. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is back in the day where there was no Wi-Fi stuff. You had to actually oh, yeah. connect things. And uh, I was a little bit nervous for the first sort of 20 minutes. And then I was talking to the guys who'd been there for a while. And I went, no, they're not coming in. No one is coming in today. <laughs> this is like, it is a ghost town at Christmas. And I went, oh, great. That's good. Um, but yeah, phenomenal day. And, 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 and all of that sort of stuff was, I mean, the game was merely a vehicle for just hanging out with people and having a great time. Yeah. But in the meantime, it was still a whole bunch of fun. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now my uh, son has turned to Titanfall. Um, and he is all over that. In fact, it's on his list. Dad, I want Titanfall 2 for Christmas. Um, so that might appear. Uh, it, it, it's it's funny. We like like video games uh, are often on the the Christmas list for mm. my son as well. And and on one hand, I sort of look at it and because like it's, it's they are pretty costly. A lot of them, and you sort yeah. of go, ah. but then you sort of think back and like I remember 
cartridges for my Atari 2600 oh, yeah. being like for, some of them were like 40 or 50 bucks yeah. and you sort of go like that that's like 1980s money yes um and I, and I sure had no compunction about asking for, for those for Christmas. So you go, look, you know, a fair cough. But, oh, just, what, what was your first video game system? Oh, I remember the, we were living um, in Dolby in Western Queensland. And mum and dad decided we were going to move to the Sunshine Coast. This was, pardon me, <coughs> this was 1985 into 1986. Yep, yep. Is that right? No, 1980. 86 was high school, 85, 84, 83 into 84. Okay. So yeah, that, that's, so that, we, that, was, was that, that was, that was year one, year, year one and year two for me. Oh gosh. I'm so old. You are. Um, that's okay. <laughs> so we packed up and they packed up the house and they found a place. Uh, and so we were going to have a big, well, we did have the big camping holiday for Christmas. It was easily would have been three weeks, maybe four weeks where we drove up to, cans and back again and we basically camped the whole way so we didn't rush it we would like drive you know basically next town to next town and go and do some fun stuff and go to the reef this day or whatever and we spent christmas that christmas with my aunt and uncle who lived in townsville um and so christmas was done there but my birthday that because my birthday is a week before christmas uh my birthday that year i got Oh, no, we'd had Game & Watches before then. Game & Watch was probably my first, first video game thing. Oh, yep, yep. The old, the old original Nintendo Game & Watch. I got Octopus. Nice. So a single screen thing used to frustrate me, and then I worked out how to do the timing, and I clocked that thing three times over. Sweet. Oh, so fun. And then my brother got a don- the Donkey Kong double screen one. I was so jealous. Oh, that was oh. so good. I, I, I had Donkey Kong 2, which was, which was kind of good, but it's, it's just it's not the same. Yeah, it's not 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 the same. Not even original. close. But uh, see, what, the first gaming thing in our house was actually something that that, um, that Dad bought, and it was like um, a little. It was basically a pong game. So it was this little wow. pl- little plastic uh, thing that you had to put uh, like four or five C cell batteries into. Yep. And you would click like and and part like on either side there was a little paddle that actually clicked into the console. So you'd click it out yeah, yeah. and and pull it out on the wire. And all you had was the thing that would go up and down like to play like pong. But this thing said it had like six different games. And so the six different games were you had pong, <laughs> then you had tennis, which was remarkably like pong, and pang, which looked <laughs> a lot like the other two. You had football, which was basically pong, but instead of being able to go out like the whole back of the screen um you had you had two offset paddles yep. and you had to get it through a hot like one little section at the back of the other side yep. um and uh, or you know, that might have been soccer and then there was football which is somehow different to soccer and i just could never <laughs> understand uh but yeah or, or and they had squash where it put both the paddles <laughs> on the same side <laughs> and and listen i I can actually remember. Um, I can remember us having having parties where like where we had like like my parents' friends over, yes. and then pulling this thing out and and playing pong on the TV. So again, we're talking um, real early eighties here. Uh, this is before I had my twenty six hundred, and, and so like. I guess a lot of all the talk about how oh, you know, gamers have grown up and now they're still doing it, and you know, I don't know, I'd necessarily often pull the Xbox out at a party, but that's what like my parents were doing, you know, almost yeah, forty wow. years ago, and it wasn't weird for them. But then 
somehow I'm the weirdo for wanting to spend 37 hours straight playing <laughs> Super Mario Land on, on the Super Nintendo. Oh, anyway. Oh, my parents never got computer games. My dad was a very, is, is a very practical man and sort of like fixed engines and did those sorts of things. I never cared for that. That was rubbish. Um, of course, I regret that now every time I have to pay the mechanics bill. Um but they, you know, they did. We managed to convince them to get us Game and Watches that year. That this moving holiday year that we had, um, I got for my birthday uh, this electronic game of U-Boat, which was basically a uh, self-contained little electronic version of Battleship, except oh, that yep. on one side you played the ships above the water, dropping depth charges, mm-hmm. and on the other side you played the U-Boat moving around. So it wasn't take turns. It was real time, have a go at each other. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, being the U-boat trying to shoot the ships above the water. And it was all really simple, sort of kind of 2D graphics and, and sort of LED, like lights on and off screen stuff. Um, and you could play against the computer. So you could be either side or you could play against a real human. So my brother and I spent ages in the car and certainly laying on air mattresses out under a tarp that Christmas holidays playing that uh, and then a week later for Christmas I got this computer game system that I had never seen before and can never can't even find on the internet that it, <laughs> that it existed um, it wasn't an Atari because that I think was what I asked for yeah and I think in my mum's inevitable style she went to the shop and said my son wants an Atari and the guy went oh no, no you don't want to get an Atari you want to get one of these and um, did, did it have like a keyboard or anything like like it was it was it like a Commodore 64 or knockoff uh, not even it was it was just a console that you put cartridges into all right so no keyboard or anything no no but the the joysticks weren't just like think the size of an atari square yeah but they then had this sort of diagonal long multi-button keyboard keypad thing attached to them that's uh i think that's a coleca vision it could have been but the the hook was couldn't find games for it anywhere so other than the games that mum had bought when she bought the system that's all we ever had I no, no I think I think you'll find, I, I think you'll find that was a Cal, uh, a Coleco Vision, and 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 like had, had like the buttons was like almost almost looked like a, a telephone like nine buttons. Is that yeah? The idea was that different games could then give you these. They could utilize the buttons in different ways, so yeah, they would and, come and, with overlays. And the controllers sort of like clicked into the the console itself. Um, they they sat into a cradle. Yep. Yes. Yeah. No, that that's a ColecoVision. I I had a friend who had one of those, and he and he obviously uh, was able to source games for it because he had oh, some amazing it? games yeah. on that. Um, and it it actually had like better, um, it had like better graphics and stuff than the than the twenty six hundred did. Yeah. But of course, it it didn't have River Raid and Pitfall and yeah, it's exactly all right. the cool stuff. It so all the cool stuff. It, it had mi- it had minor 49er, <laughs> I think was one of the ones that I remember <laughs> playing. Yeah, yeah, it was no dig dug. I'll give you that tip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we played that to death once, but of course I got that for Christmas, and because we're travelling up and down, and Mum and Dad had packed it in the car, kept it hidden oh, in the car. That's a big effort. The whole way, we get up there. Oh, this is great, Mum and Dad. Can I play it? I got to plug it in at my aunt's and uncle's place. Yeah, that was it. Oh no! So for the next week and a half, two weeks or whatever, oh. it took us to get down to our new home. That's not torture. Playing it. Oh, it was horrible. That is torture. Um, but then <laughs> it, it it just sparked <laughs> something like, in like, me. Dave? Sorry, yeah, I'm here. That's right. It, it just sparked something in me and that from that point on, I was like, I don't understand why or how this works, 
but I want to do it all the time. Oh, wanna, hell yeah. I want to do so much more of it to the point where, um, you know, consoles, sort of, you know, particularly the Super Nintendo started to experience a rise through the 80s. And I ummed and ahed. I went, oh, you know, I've played one of these at a friend's place, but now these home computer things are starting to pick up. So I worked one year, all year, saving all of my money to get a Commodore 64 with a disk drive. And Ooh. I thought I was the man. I thought it was the best thing ever because I had to buy my own television. Yep. And mum and dad made it so the television could work in my room as well. So not only when I wasn't playing computer games, I had a TV in my room. Are you, are you in Fat City? Like, yeah, whoa. it was sweet. Yeah. That was also the year. <laughs> Talk about my mum getting talked into things. She went uh, shopping and uh, Santa gave me a cassette for Christmas. And... Well, like a blank one. No, no, no. It's even better than that. <laughs> she went to Chandler's at Kiwana Shopping Town mm-hmm. and walked in and said, I want to get my son a cassette for Christmas. What do I get them? And the guy must have gone, oh, here, all the kids are buying this and gave her a cassette. Now, I opened it up on Christmas morning and sort of went, oh, this is weird. I don't know what this is. Put it in my stereo and started playing it. And the dulcet tones of Billy Birmingham and the wired world of sports. You're kidding. Rung out early one Christmas morning. Ooh. And I'd put on the non-beeped side, <laughs> side A. And I'm just going, what is this mystery and magic? My mum we- rushes in and goes, what is that? And I said, it- it's the cassette that Santa gave me. He goes, turn it off and play it when your, p- your brothers and sisters aren't around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold. It was so oh, great because it, it just... Like, that it, that we, would be unexpected. We grew up, you know, going to church and all of those sorts of things. <laughs> Mum and dad, like there was no swearing in the house. And if you swore, you got your mouth washed out with soap. So early Christmas morning, I put on Mysterio and, and it goes in. And now we're fucking doing this. What? Oh, gosh. Which is oh to know the conversation that happened between your parents once they realised what they had done. Well, because then there didn't have to be explicit advisories on the front. No, God no. In fine detail on the back, where it explained that side A is the full program and side B is the uh, the the censored side, where it was exactly the same thing, just with beeps over the swear words. And I listened to it a few times with my mates because there's a couple of sections where it's just one long beep. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, that's that's just that's brilliant. Christmas just... gold. It was the gift that kept on giving, let me tell you that. Oh, I love that. That, 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 that sounds much cooler than my Roxette CD. <laughs> oh, don't see... But that's the interesting, the interesting differential. You're, you're about the age of my eldest of the two young sisters. Yep. She went to see Roxette when they toured off the back of, I think it was their Joyride tour. Um, I didn't go because a friend of mine at uni was old enough that she wanted to go. And uh, my sister said, I'd love to go. And we said, ask, do you mind if she comes with you? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And she was happy enough to to drag her along and stuff. Um, Mate, I would go and see Roxette now. I would go and see Roxette now. I think think they were actually out here a year or two ago and I was just so... uh, disappointed that I, I, I couldn't uh, make make it happen. Like, like Funnily enough, um, they didn't tour Albury. Um, mm. they, well, they almost are. They almost <laughs> were touring workers' clubs. <laughs> I was going to say, well, well listen, we, we, we still do get um, uh, Pseudo Echo come out here every now and again. So. Oh, I see, you, you know. see. <laughs> oh, boy. It's, 
So, so, now you were born in Dubbo, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so then you went to Western Queensland. Dolby. And then Sunshine Coast. Yep. So, okay. So, how old were you when you went to the Sunshine Coast? I started grade six. So, I think I had just turned... uh, Just turned seven, I think. Because the, the weird thing... The way that New South Wales to Queensland schooling used to work, and I couldn't even tell you if it still works like this. Is that in New South Wales we educate children, and in Queensland they babysit them for 12 years. Yeah, something like that. And and don't make them do bloody exams at the end. That's oh. that's that's the indignity. That's what really gets us riled up. That's about no. to change. Oh. I think about, about bloody time. Get you stopped. Got, oh. The worst idea ever. Oh, God. No, no, you know what? I had to go through the HSC. <laughs> you buggers should have to go through... Equal pain and horror. It's, it's just okay, but anyway. So okay, so do you, do you consider yourself a, a like a, a you know a country kid or or a, a coasty kid or a city kid or like how, how do you view your yourself? I'm old enough to remember living in the country in both Dubbo and and Dolby. Um, so I have some fond and some not so fond reminiscences of those times because my high school was all on the Sunshine Coast. Like, I, I, I refer to the Sunshine Coast as home because that's yeah, where okay. yep. the bulk of my memories were formed. Uh, and rightly, at State of Origin time, I support Queensland. Oh, you are, oh, you see, so you're basically like Greg Inglis then. It's like, <laughs> oh, sure, I was born in New South Wales. As some people have called me before, a blood trader. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, look, to, to be honest with you, though, I have to admit some guilt. When I, when I was in in high school... I was just contrary, like like mm. I was constantly a contrarian, um, and so when Brisbane a- entered the New South Wales Rugby League, yes, um, I started supporting Brisbane, and and my excuse was that 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 was actually the closest team to Inverell, and that was true, but it's not <laughs> yes. like I ever went to Brisbane to watch the football, sure. so it didn't really matter. Um, the main reason I I, I picked them was because. Um, before the, before a game had happened, everyone hated Brisbane, and so I was like, "Oh well, I'll I'll, I'll go for Brisbane then." And so, of course, that was the glory days of you know of uh, of Alfie Langer and Wally and, mm. uh, and and Gene Miles, and and they're all playing in the in the Queensland State of Origin team. Like basically, yeah. you kicked off one or two of the Broncos players, and um, you know, chucked in a, a couple of people from other teams, and there's your uh, Queensland Origin team. You know, yeah, Mal Meninga came up from Queensland, and and, 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 you, and you were set. Yep. Um, and so, because, again, I was being a contrarian, I would support Queensland just to annoy everyone. Um, <laughs> and so, I, I, I can't really you know, hold you to account too much for not supporting the state that you should, because I, I did it by choice, not, not even living in Queensland, just because... Um, something in me just drove me to be contrarian no matter what. <laughs> and, and I'm sure you can imagine how well a, a trait like, like that has served me over oh. the years, Steve. Oh, no, I, I, I reflect and respond to that very well, Dave, because I have taken many opportunities in the past to just be supporting the thing or acknowledging the view that everyone else isn't taking just to be a pain in the ass. Do you, do you ever reflect on that and go, you know, if I had just not done that, maybe <laughs> maybe even 10% of the time that I did, I wonder what I could have achieved. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that would have paid off in a, in a better way than it actually played out. Oh, dear. The same said, though, I think that we... It, it's, it's actually a really beneficial skill to have to choose to support 
you know, the other the other side of the story or, or the alternate position because it makes you have to really think about why when people challenge you on it. And if you can't come up with even a remotely justifiable situation, you'll just get heaped on. Um, so And that, that, for me, that helps me with my creative thinking sometimes is to go, well, what about the other side of the story? What's this? What's their position? How do they see this? Um, and so in my old age... Uh, I have I found it to be a really good reflection tool. Um, not that I have done it sometimes, and I've just tweeted madly at someone. You're wrong, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's but happening less and I was less. Say, let's not even start on Twitter today. Oh, gosh, it's uh, sad. Yeah, that's a long conversation because that's has saddened me recently. Okay, we'll so, we'll, we'll save that one up. Yeah, next for next time. Put we it on chat. the whiteboard. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of Christmas, I think I need to go and do some Christmas shopping. My, my wife keeps giving me this look and going, I know what you're getting for Christmas, to which my answer has to be, oh, neither of us know what you're getting. <laughs> um, and I, I think I better rectify that. So um, how, how about we catch up after Christmas? Yeah, that sounds awesome, dude. I've got Carol's rehearsal to go to anyway. All right, man. Take Sweet. it easy. Bye. <laughs>